All right, we're going to look in the book of Matthew this evening. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we are going to begin reading in verse number 25. Matthew 6 and verse number 25. We'll read verses 25 through 34 tonight. All right, verse 25 says this, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink. Nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together, to hear your word, to hear the burdens and needs of our our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, to uh, have the opportunity to pray for one another, to enter into uh, their, uh, their needs through our compassion, through our prayers. Thank you for each person that's here, each person that's listening, thank you for the grace of God that, that uh, dwells upon us, uh, the grace of God in which we live that sustains us. And Lord, as we look at these words, I ask you that you would be a comfort, uh, you would comfort your people uh, through these words here, that, that you would uh, teach us what it says, teach us what it means, teach us how to apply it, and give us the, uh, an increase in faith that we can... Uh, see the benefits that come from the things that are, are, are mentioned and taught in this passage. Lord, we commit it to you. We acknowledge we need your help in every way, both the preacher and the, the hearer. Uh, Lord, we just commit it to you. We ask your blessing upon the message, upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight I want to I wanna bring, uh, just study uh, just briefly on this passage on the subject of God's answer for the anxious heart. God's answer for the anxious heart. Now, when you start in verse number 25, you'll probably notice the first word uh, is the word, therefore. And as the, as the saying goes, when, does anybody know what the saying is about the word, therefore? If you see the word, therefore, you should... 
see what it's there for. Exactly. So if you see the word therefore, you know grammatically that this place is not the beginning of the context. So you go back a little bit to verse 24. It says this, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now, let me explain something to you a little bit about many other parts of the world. I would say probably, maybe not the majority, but probably a good half uh, uh, of the way the other parts of the world work. Is in this passage, the Lord is talking about the love of money, right? That's what He's talking about. And then He pivots directly from the love of money and the, all, the, all the snares and traps that are associated with that. And he goes right into worry. He goes right into worry. And uh, what we need to understand is that many, many people in the world live in such a way, and this is also true of the people in, the, in this time in the first century, they lived in such a way that the concerns of daily provision were a serious matter to them. Like, for instance, if I were to go to your house and I were to look in your pantry, if you gave me liberty to do that, what I would find is I would find a, a stash of food that if all of the grocery stores in one, in, at one night, at one time, just burned to the ground, you would have enough food to, to last for some period of time. You, in other words, you don't, have, you don't live from, from hand to mouth. You don't live from day to day with your daily provisions. You're, you and I are, are blessed with that. But in many times in history and, and in, even in our time in many places in the world, that's simply not the case. Now, that doesn't diminish the fact that God provides for us on a daily basis. But when you read this, you got to keep in mind that the concern over daily provision was, of such, a, was such a heavy burden that it risked overwhelming someone to the point that no other things mattered. No other concerns mattered. It, it crowded every other matter in their life. And I have seen this personally in Cambodia. It is very, very difficult to witness to someone whose only concern is how they're going to survive the next day. Yeah, because that crowds out any other... They're just trying to live to tomorrow. Forget eternity. Forget the, where they are with God. That's not something it's easy to think about when you're, you only have enough food for basically today and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So this is kind of the context of this, of this, uh, this passage. But notice, let's look at the words. A uh, number of times in this passage, the phrase, take thought or take no thought, take thought, take thought. Verse 27, by taking thought. And of course, this might not be a way, a, way, a way that we phrase the idea of worry, but this is definitely a biblical way that the... the we would say anxious, we would say worry. The word worry is not in the Bible. The word anxious is not in the Bible. But what you do have in its place are, is this phrase, take thought. The phrase, and another phrase you have frequently, is the phrase care, care. Now, we know that the word, the, the word care can have a positive connotation and it can have a negative connotation. Even in the Bible, when you look at, for instance, when you look at 1 Corinthians, I'll just read this kind of in passing. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25 says this about the word care. 
It says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. So care can be a good thing. The idea of care is that you, you know, you compare that with taking thought and you get the kind of the core idea. The idea is that you are thinking about another person and you are concerned with their welfare, right? And when you're concerned with another's welfare, that means your thought is on that matter. Well, the problem is, is that that, that, that meaning, that, that word care or taking thought or worry or anxiety can, can go to the point where we face things in our lives that are, are so overwhelming that it's all we think about. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. It's so over, it so overwhelms our, our life that we can scarcely think about every, anything else except maybe that which is just absolutely essential to make it to the next day. You know, if you've dealt with, you know, I, I think of, uh, I think of when my, my aunt, my mom's sister, Stacy, was in the hospital and had COVID and going downhill fast and then ICU and, and all of those kinds of things. You know what? That totally consumed my life. You know, that my thoughts were on that around the clock. You know, and you think about one of your kids being sick or some major event in your life. You know what? When you think about this, what the Lord is saying here, our minds being on something to such a degree that it distresses us. It overwhelms us. And it listen, you get to verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. What that's telling us is these worries overwhelm us to the point that the things we should be prioritizing are put to the back burner. You know, that's a point at which worry becomes a problem at which concern and care, it leaves just general concern and care, which, is a, which can be a good thing, and it goes, into, uh, it goes into distraction. Now, a care is this. To be care, careful in the Scripture is to be burdened, is a burdened state of mind arising from fear, doubt, or concern about anything. Now, there are some things we should care about, right? There are some things our minds should be occupied in, and we should, we should be concerned about those things. And then there are some things where that can, that can be taken too far, and it can be what's talked about here. Now, what is the subject of this? The Lord brings up two examples in this primarily. He talks about, he talks about what you eat and what you wear. Now, did you know that food and clothing is the biblical standard for poverty? Did anybody know that? The Bible says, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Right? So, and in that passage, when you, when you read that passage, it's, it reveals that a lot of what we call poverty is not really poverty. But, uh, but when you're talking about poverty... You're talking about someone who is absolutely destitute of food and clothing. So that, that, could, that should re, reorient kind of what we think of as poor. You know, when you see a guy panhandling on the side of the road and he takes his two or three hundred bucks that he got panhandling and go, goes and gets into his car, he is not poor. He is not poor. But it's interesting that that standard for poverty, food and raiment, clothing, is the same 
things that the Lord brings up in this point. So what the Lord is talking about, He is talking about being worried and anxious over things that are of primary importance to existence, right? And that's what He's talking about. Now, the thing is, and I want to move on from here quickly, but the thing is, is this. Very few of us have ever even lived even a day in our life in which food and clothing was a, was a major concern for us. I mean, can we be honest about that? I don't know of one day in my whole life when that was a concern, when I was worried about that. But what the Lord says about these matters that are of, of the highest importance as far as physical life is concerned, the Lord says, take no thought. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. So if he says that about these, these matters that are of the greatest importance, a lot of the other things that we deal with in our society, in our life, that cause us worry and concern are things of maybe we might say lesser importance. We think of how we're going to make our car payment or what are the creditors going to do if I don't pay this or, you know, and occasionally we, and thankfully, rather rarely, we come across matters that are genuinely concerning. Like we, uh, Ms. Aguilar mentioned someone who's waiting on the results of a scan. Now, those are actually concerning and can cause us great anxiety and worry. But if the Lord gave us these instructions for that which is, uh, deals with our, our very life, then it certainly applies to everything else. And that's what I want to get to. Now, you'll notice one thing that is not mentioned in this passage. You know what that is? Prayer. Prayer is not mentioned in this passage, which I thought was interesting. But basically, what, basically kind of the outline of what this, what this passage is, is the Lord tells us a number of things about Himself. So He, he and what he does, and this is true in a lot of cases, but kind of follow the outline with me, and I think it will help you as you read this. The Lord gives us some, he informs our faith. In other words, he gives us truth. And that informs our faith, because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. He informs our faith, and then we respond to what he says to us in faith. Right? So let's look at a couple of those things. It is our natural tendency to worry. It is our natural tendency to worry. But aren't you glad that, you know, you think all these times the Lord said, uh, 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 take no thought, take no thought, take no thought. You know, you're not going to hear me, you're not going to hear me stand up here and say something like, if you worry, you're sinning. Now, is, is that true? Could that be true in some cases? Yeah, probably. But by saying it with that tone and attitude, you're missing the whole point. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, if you worry, you're sinning. And aren't you glad for that? Because he's reasoning with us, reasoning in faith. And the Lord also does not simply say, stop worrying. Get over it. I told you not to worry. You don't need to worry. Just get over it. Forget it. He doesn't do that either. But what the Lord did is with the command, the command is take no thought, take no thought, take no thought. Be not careful, be not careful. Don't be anxious, we would say. 
with the command. Now listen, let me say this first. If that's all the Lord did, if he just gave the command and walked away, you know, you and I would be, what if the Lord just said to you, don't worry, and just walked away? You know what you would do? And I would do? I would worry. (laughs) I would still worry. Because when you're dealing with something that's absolutely overwhelming your life, you can't just simply just brush it off. Because if you could have brushed it off, you probably would have already. If you're dealing with anxiety and worry, that means there is something that that is so occupying your mind and causing you distress that you can't simply brush it off. It's of such magnitude, right? So the Lord doesn't just say, just stop that worrying because you, you just can't do that. So just like in many other cases, what the Lord does is He gives us this command and then supplied with the command is where grace enters. Now hear me. The Lord gives the command, and then with the command, alongside the command, comes the grace and the provision to assist you to fulfill the command also. He doesn't just give the command and walk away. He gives you the grace to fulfill the command, and that's what this is about. Can a person worry to the point of sin? Yes. But this whole passage is not to browbeat someone who's worrying. This whole passage is to, is to give, give us the tools to understand why we shouldn't be worrying and why His command is perfectly reasonable if we respond in faith. So what are these graces? Let's look, look at a few of them. The first thing I want you to see is this, verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Notice this, notice this question. Are ye not much better than they? And then down in verse number 30, it says this, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, that is, it's temporary, it's, it's very brief, it's, its existence, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You see that? The Lord, by pointing out the lilies, or the grass rather, and by pointing out the fowls of the air, you know what He's doing? He's reminding us how much He values us. He says, are you not much better than the the, the sparrows? And the answer is yes. Flip over just a few pages to the right in uh, Matthew chapter 10. Verse 31, look at what it says. Rather, verse 30. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, look at this, look at the words. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. Here's what I want you to understand. When you, are, when you and I are overwhelmed with something that causes us great anxiety and distress, God reminds us how much He values us. He provides for the things of little value, like grass, things that are of no consequence at all. You know, if you go into your backyard and you see the birds and you see them flying around, we had a huge flock of birds come through our backyard yesterday. We saw the birds. You know what? If one of those black birds died, I would not care. 
like I would not think of it any longer than the time it took for it to leave my mind. I wouldn't care. It's of no consequence whatsoever. And the Lord uses something of no value to, to show that he, he values that. He values the birds, the fowls, the sparrows, the ravens. He values them enough to provide for them even, even though they don't work for it. He values the lilies and clothes them and clothes the grass of the field and gives those things, the nutrients and the things that they need to grow, even though they have no value. So if God looks upon those things with such value that He takes care of them, how much more does He look upon us of such infinitely greater value? We have eternal value to God. Sparrows and lilies can't relate to God, can't know God, can't speak to God, can't praise God, can't take joy in the Lord. But He values those things. And you know what? He values us too. Much, much more. So when you're worried, God says, remember, you are important to me. And I'm not just blowing chicken soup for the soul here. God says, you are important to me. Even the grass is important to me. And you are way more important than grass. Now what's interesting is, well, let me ask you a question. Do you believe God created the grass? Do you believe that God created the lilies? Kind of give me a head nod. Do you believe that God created the birds? Yes. Do you believe that God takes care of those things? that God feeds the birds and provides for the lilies and the grass, even though, do you believe that? Do you believe that God is the creator and the sustainer is what I'm asking? Yes. But did you know your faith in God as the creator and sustainer is the basis for this right here? This is why, listen, what we believe about our origin, whether God created us or we came about by chance is a big deal. And it affects Every other part of our faith. This is why theistic evolution and the, these ideas that have crept in that, that somehow God does not sustain things, that somehow God did not create things as the Bible teaches are such a problem because even the most basic truths are the basis and foundation for the comfort you will get as a Christian. Is it true that God takes care of those things? Yes, and that shows He values you. But if there's any doubt of the value that you have to God, you only need to look in one place. And what is that place? The cross. If there's ever any doubt. Listen, you think about dispensations, right? We talk about dispensations. Sounds fancy, right? The cross hadn't happened yet. The cross really hasn't been even really introduced by the Lord at this point. So he's relying on things in nature, which are perfectly right. But later, the Lord would demonstrate how much he values us in an unmistakable way. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, what does it say? But God commendeth his love. He demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you think if Christ died and bled on a cross 
for your eternal soul that he's not going to take care of whatever problem that is worrying you? He most certainly is. The second thing I want you to see is this. God already knows our needs. Verse 32. For all, after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. You know, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to go to God in prayer, worried, sick, and knowing that when you have arrived to that place of prayer, God already knows it. So that tells us something that we're going to see in just a minute a little more clearly. If God already knows it, why are we going to prayer? Ponder that a second. If God already knows our needs, the lilies, the grass, the sparrows, they do not ask God for anything, and yet God provides. We are going to go to God and ask God for what we need, right? But before we get there, he already knows. So then why do we go and ask? We'll look at that in a second. Third thing I want you to see is this. God challenges us to consider the condition of our faith in him. The root of worry, the root of worry is a failure of faith. How do you know? Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe, ye, o, clothe you, O ye of little faith? The Lord brings up faith as the real crux of this discussion. You know, if we're going to take comfort from God's provision of the lilies, and of the sparrows, we have to believe that God is the creator. God's just reminding us of what we know. He's strengthening our faith. And you know what? When, when, our, when we're confronted with something that seeks to, that, that causes us great worry and anxiety, and it overwhelms us like that, to the point of, of, of sin, what has happened is our faith has failed. It is, it is staggered or stumbled, rather. So in this passage, God has given us all of these things. He's reminded us who He is. He's reminded us of His great care. He's reminded us of His omniscience and our, His personal knowledge of our individual circumstance. He's reminded us how He's the Creator. What He's done is He's built up our faith. Remember who I am. Remember who, how I am. Remember that I, that I am the omniscient creator God. I take care of things a lot less important than you. And you are valuable to me. Remember these things. And when we hear that, our faith is to be built up. And in response, our answer to that faith, our, the action of our faith is this. Philippians chapter 4. Look at that if you would. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6. 
says this, be careful for nothing. That word careful is the same word as take thought, same thing. Anxiety, worry. Be careful for nothing. Now, if it stopped there, we would have a problem, like I mentioned earlier, right? Don't worry about it. You say, well, that's easier said than done, Lord. But the Lord says this, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 7. It says this, Casting all your care, that's the same word, worry, upon Him, for He careth for you. Let me ask you a question. How do you cast your care upon the Lord? By prayer. Philippians 4. In Matthew 6, God is building our faith. Remember who I am. Remember how I value you. Remember that I know your needs. Remember all of these things and, our, and, and check your own faith. Do you believe that God hears you, that God is concerned, that God has compassion, that He is moved? And we say, yes. Do you believe God will provide for you? Our faith says, yes. And the answer to that is, pray. The Lord tells us to pray, casting our care upon Him. So prayer is the response of faith to worry. Prayer is the response of faith to worry. You know, many people don't pray when they're worried because of a lack of faith. You know that? Some people choose to worry rather than taking the matter to God. And sometimes they choose to worry rather than taking it to God and they, the reason they don't take it to God is because of a failure of faith. Or sometimes they don't take it to God because they have this fantasy that they're in control. They're going to fix it. And the Lord says to that, what? Can you, by taking thought, add one cubit to your stature? It's useless. You have no power. Just like, you know, the song we'll sing in a minute. It says, why worry when you can pray? And we say, why pray when you can worry? Casting our care, that which causes us to worry upon Him, is done by prayer. And you know what? In, in 1 Peter chapter 5, He says this, For He careth for you. God is not unmoved with those matters that cause us anxiety. He is not unmoved. He is moved. He tells us to come to Him and cast those upon Him because He is moved. Right? And then in Philippians chapter 4, he says this. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
You know, sometimes our worries are big and sometimes our worries are, are little. And he says everything. Let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God. That, the peace of God, that statement falls in the context of taking our requests that worry us to Him. Following the, that response of faith. So God builds our faith. We embrace what the Lord says. We believe. And in that faith, we turn to God in prayer and we unload our, on Him, we might say. We cast our cares upon Him. And the answer that comes back to us, that echo from that prayer comes back is peace. The peace of God which passeth all understanding. You know, sometimes the peace that God gives us when we cast our care upon Him and that, that peace from that worry that He gives us comes despite the fact that the circumstance is the same. This does not promise a, a solution to every bad circumstance that we face that causes us anxiety. It, there's no promise in here. The circumstance might be the same. The cause of our care and worry has not changed, but yet we have peace. You know what that is? That's peace. That is peace which passeth understanding. In other words, it doesn't make sense. Why should you be at peace? Why should you be serene and calm in your heart when the circumstance is the same? The very thing that has caused you pain, suffering, and worry, and you don't know the outcome of it, why do you have peace now? It hasn't changed. You know what has changed? It's peace that's, it's peace that is passing understanding. We are resting, we are serene despite the fact the cause of our care hasn't changed because we're resting in faith, in God's ability to help and in His willingness to respond. It's faith. So what do you find here? We looked at Matthew. There's no place where God tells us to pray in Matthew, but we find that in in Philippians 4, we find it in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 doesn't mean you cast your care on Him and God's going to take it away. It doesn't say it. Philippians chapter 4, what does it say? You let your request be made known unto God and God's going to take it away, right? That's not what it says. It says He'll give you peace. So what is in view here is not necessarily a solution to that thing that's causing us distress and causing us to worry. What is in view here is how the problem affects us and how we're coping with it. So what God is doing is He's not promising necessarily that the cause of the worry is going to be removed, but He's giving us peace in the midst of the worry in the midst of the thing that has overwhelmed us. That's what he's doing in Matthew. He's saying in Matthew, you're worried about what you're going to eat and drink. You're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Are you going to have enough to eat? And that overwhelms you. And he says, he says, listen, remember who I am. Bring your request to me. And you know what? God gives you peace. And then you can seek first his kingdom, right? Right? He diverts your attention from the problem to what you should be focused on. 
Because sometimes worry takes our focus off of what we should be focused on. But let me ask you a question. What do I do if I still worry? I pray to God and then I still worry. How many of you have felt that? You know what you do? You pray again. We have to stop thinking that, our, that all these matters are simply to be resolved with popping some sort of spiritual pill. But sometimes God has an answer through patience and persistence and faith. So we go to God with this worry and we pray and we go away and say, I'm still worried. And we go to God again and we pray and you say, Lord, I'm worried. I'm I'm so fearful. And we try to remind ourselves of what he said and we go away and we're still worried and we go and we keep doing it. We keep doing it. We keep doing it. Persistence. There is no easy solution to some of these things. And you know what? There's no promise that these problems will be resolved. We're not the Joel Osteens, your best life now, where, you know, you're just going to wave a magic wand and all those terrible things that worry you and are, are huge burdens upon you, those scans, those illnesses, those loved ones, that these issues that we deal with, they don't go away. They don't go away just because... Just because we go pray. We pray they go away, and sometimes God takes them away. But in the here and now, at this moment, they're not going to be go away. But you and I, if we respond in faith, can have peace in the midst of that. And so lastly, the Lord wants us, the Lord gives us an alternative to our anxiety. He gives us peace. He tells us to pray, casting our care upon Him, and then He gives us an alternative. He wants us to focus our attention on seeking God and His kingdom. Because after all, we can't change the outcome. But it'll give us peace in the midst so that our attention can be upon Him and His kingdom. Focus our attention upon living for God. Now, the way this world works is not this way. This peace that we're talking about here is not something they're familiar with. They're going to work and work and work and work and beg, bar, and steal to solve whatever problem that causes them anxiety and worry and probably take medicine to alter their state of mind to deal with it. That's true. It happens. But for us, a response in faith, remembering who God is, remembering how God is, And taking that knowledge to God in prayer, God promises us peace. Let's pray.